Hi, this is Kathy Taramina. I am the Academic Dean for the Seattle Institute of East Asian Medicine. I am here with Lisa Taylor Swanson, who is a PhD associated with the University of Utah and a licensed acupuncturist. And we are here at the 2019 Society for Acupuncture Research Conference in Burlington, Vermont. Lisa just finished um, presenting at a plenary session here at SAR, and I'm excited to have her tell us a little bit about it. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. So Lisa, I got to see your talk, which was amazing, and I was wondering if you would just kind of tell us a little bit about your findings and what the project was. Sure, I'd be happy to. So I always like to mention at the onset, this was uh, literally an unpaid labor, labor of love. It was a conversation that took place over 20 years between the Washington East Asian Medicine wow. Medical Association, WIAMA, and LNI. So it, it really was this long, slow process of developing relationships. Then leadership would change, and people would come and go, they'd pick up the conversation again. And finally, that conversation really got some traction in 2013 when WIAMA put together a research committee with the, the task to keep communicating with LNI. So I was asked to join that committee in about 2014. 14, and believe. you were living in Seattle at the time, right? And you were in Tacoma. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So I was living and practicing in Tacoma. I had a really fun, large practice down there, and I had started my PhD program in 2010, no, 2011, at the University of Washington. So I was commuting up to Seattle, and it was because I was working on my PhD up there that folks in Miami said, "Oh, hey, can you help us with this research project?" <laughs> yes. I was like, "Oh, sure. I did a systematic review last year. Now I know how to do it. I'd be happy to help." And so we got to work and really had an amazing uh, team of volunteers. Um, I ran the search and figured out which papers we all needed to extract data from. A bunch of fabulous acupuncturists quickly you know, honed their chops on the literature and I had a form everybody could fill out to extract that data. We summarized it, we synthesized it. I had, I don't even know what, 130 slides to present to the medical director wow. at LNI. And um, so happily that meeting went really well and we convinced the medical director that acupuncture is safe first and foremost because we could talk about adverse events that were documented in the papers we reviewed, the 17 trials of acupuncture. We were only talking about low back pain. Right. No other part of the body right. exists. Yeah. Well, and I are now just for the low back. And then uh, further, we really had to take the time to do this work because again, back in 2013 when this started, we didn't have the acupuncture trialist groups, that group that has all the wonderful papers with meta-analyses for chronic pain. So mm. we couldn't just say, here, here's the meta-analysis, right. the, right. the top of the pyramid. Of, Some uh, important papers came later. Yeah. Right. yeah. So we had to do that work. And also, a part of what we had to do was educate the medical director and his team about sham acupuncture. Because they looked at the papers to date and were like, oh, acupuncture doesn't outperform sham much. Why should we fund this? It's so just had they done nonsense. their own research? They had read what was out there. Oh, I Absolutely. see. Oh, that's very interesting for people to know. Yeah. 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 So they read it and they were like thumbs down. And we said, let's reinterpret that evidence. And they came to thumbs Fantastic. up. Fantastic. That's really the, the mm. important thing. So then the next step in 2017 was for Elle and I to start a pilot study. And so many um, listeners, if they're living in Washington State, very well may have provided care as a part of that pilot study. Elle and I thought it would take two months to recruit enough, enough clinicians. Uh, they were hoping for 200, and that happened in two weeks. People were so excited. <laughs> I mean, it was really, really exciting. Um, and so then data that were collected by Elle and I were not about efficacy or effectiveness. It was absolutely only about 
uh, acceptability. Is this an acceptable intervention? And feasible, to, right? Like that yeah. patient's, okay. Yeah, and feasibility. Will acupuncturists do the paperwork, you know, interact in a way in their <laughs> system that, you know, they really were testing, we as a profession, can we do what we need to do to render good care, safe care, and document that care? That's interesting that you, you bring that up because one of the, the things that the profession is grappling with is how to prepare people to do like all sorts of research activities. And this is, mm-hmm. this is sort of like, you know, sort of the front line, like, you know, treat this patient, but fill out the proper paperwork, return it in a certain way. And, yes. you know, um, and so what was your experience with that? I mean, did you have com- good compliance with the practitioners? Fairly good p- compliance, but we did not have everyone submitting everything they should. I see. And that was quite mm-hmm. unfortunate for sure. But it was enough that labor and industries didn't ditch us basically. Mm-hmm. And we did see happily, um, that participants, the patients, had an increase in functionality, a decrease in disability over the whole. So again, it wasn't an efficacy or effectiveness trial, but but Ellen and I saw, okay, you know, clinicians fill out enough of the paperwork and patients really had some improvement. It's a safe and, and possibly improving kind of intervention. So although not an efficacy related trial, that they seems to have had data. some kind of yeah. yeah, benefit yeah. and perk, maybe. I think yeah. so, because they had those thresholds of clinically meaningful change. Right. Not looking at statistically significant change, but right. clinically, it meant something. And in retrospect, do you think that uh, the, the, the scales that you used and the forms that you used were the right ones? you feel like... I think so, yeah, because good. especially in this setting, those are the same scales that are used by clinicians across all uh, disciplines and across all conditions. Perfect. So, so we were able to apply that to acupuncture practice mm-hmm. easily. Yeah, okay. then we can show how we pass muster. Mm-hmm. And importantly, because it's about labor and industries, injured workers have to be returned back to work, not have to be. Our goal is to get them back mm-hmm. to work. And so we were able to document that decrease in disability. Well, that's fantastic. So, and the, you know, a very important aspect of this trial for me and my personal interests is that you just basically did an observational trial where people treated these patients as they would in normal, in normal care, right? Absolutely. They didn't adjust their treatments. This was not a protocol-based trial. Right. This was usual care, and then what, what happened? So I, you know, although you know, I don't know Seattle enough yet to be able to be certain of this, I suspect from the community that I've met so far that there was a wide variety of types of treatments that were provided. So Absolutely. Yeah. TCM, classical, Japanese, several kinds of Japanese. Right. Ear, nojiev, you know, you name it. Tuena, shiatsu, mm-hmm. gua sha, cupping, cupping, right? You pro- yeah. Did you collect any of that data? Mm-mm, yeah. Not yet. Right. That would be an interesting follow-up, truly, mm-hmm. too. It would be kind of messy, of course, because it's everyone in their individual practice. Probably most people with paper charts, mm-hmm. um, but gathering that information, even by survey, that's a great idea. Yeah, because it would be interesting follow-up. to know how many of them became herbal patients. Um, right. And yeah, so, I mean, as you know, Lisa, because you and I have talked privately a lot that, you know, there's, you know, we both agree that it would be interesting for a lot of the research to move towards that kind of, that kind of data collection um, right. for the personalized right. medicine piece. Um, so now that you're on the other side of it and you've actually taken a research question into, pra- into reality, ran a trial, and I think that we could say in a very short time, changed policy. Right. Um, what lessons do you feel have been learned and what, like, what can other states and other practitioners around the country learn from this process? Because it's pretty Absolutely. incredible. <laughs> it's exciting. And just briefly, in case your listeners haven't heard, the rules just changed out of, as of June 1st this month, 2019, for posterity. <laughs> 
And East Asian medicine providers are the first category of providers to be added to labor and industries, you know, payroll list in 20 years. What? So, so yeah, crazy. Right? It's so exciting. And it's novel, I think. It's um, ironic. It was 20 years conversation, and it was 20 years ago somebody else got added. I don't know which profession that was. But right. Some profession. So that's the good news. Um, the bad news is it's only for chronic low back pain treatment or low back pain, it doesn't have to be chronic. Um, so we've got a lot more work to do ahead of us. But your question was in terms of how do we you know, take what worked? And I think really what worked was building relationships with labor and ind- yes. industries, mm-hmm. coming highly prepared to every meeting, answering questions, being able to answer questions in a scientifically rigorous way, mm. and really opening doors of communication that were not with us having a chip on our shoulders or you know, sometimes it can feel like us and them in one way or another, but I think we all just kept at the table with that open communication where they, they, I'm using us and them. Right, right. Labor <laughs> industries knew that, you know, we would answer their questions. And if we didn't know the answer, we would say that and not try to blow smoke or something, but then go find the answers, go back to the literature, really be diligent about that. So I think that's the key thing, building relationships, mm-hmm. being able to talk shop. You've just got to have people at the table that can answer those questions rigorously. And then the other key thing is we had turnover within our organization, people coming and going. I myself, as you noted, live in Utah now. I was in Washington then. So we've had um, as much care as we could take to keep communication open within WIAMA, within our subcommittee and whatnot, um, to try to pass that baton with care so there wouldn't be a lapse of information or what have you. So mm-hmm. I think communication is king. And right. Queen. Well, that's a, that's, a big, that's a big thing for us, interprofessional communication mm-hmm. and communication at this level that you're yeah. talking about. Yeah. The other thing that I feel like I don't want to get lost in this that for me as a, as a researcher really stands out is that you report that, this, that the labor industries um, committee or group, whatever, already did their own review of the literature and, and came mm-hmm. to all their own conclusions based mm-hmm. on the you know, what they found, and you used the same information that is in the literature and were able to package it in a way that, reframing maybe not being the right word, but to clarify maybe Mm -hmm. um, the findings, which is, you know, and that's that that piece of our ability to communicate what sham acupuncture is and is not, and what, you know, and where the limitations of all these trials are, um, I think is, for me as an educator, a critical piece of the lesson here, right? Yeah. That's to me when you when I heard you talk, it just really stood out. Like, oh, they had already done their research, but then you show you all showed up, right? And suddenly they're running a pilot trial right. <laughs> using the same data, yeah, and the same interpretation of the same literature. So I think that that to me is like, that's the main, that's really the gold star for me. I appreciate that, and I feel the same. And it was why this, I mean, it's a very small victory, but it's still a victory. Is so powerful and so exciting and so yeah. potent for all of us who worked. Mm-hmm so hard for so many years because we really did come from sort of behind the eight ball in a way. That's right. Like yeah. you said, they already read the literature. They're like, thumbs down. Right. We're not going to fund this. And we right. said, let's you know, really have a, an open, again, frank conversation about sham acupuncture. And so we talked a lot about it's in a way like um, diluted, a diluted dose. You could mm-hmm. think of it as, as that perhaps. Mm-hmm. And so when interpreting the findings, we can't say this between group analysis that was run means the same thing. It doesn't mean, oh, between sham and acupuncture, if they're fairly similar in their effect, that acupuncture didn't work, it means they were both pretty effective. Right, right. You know? and looking yeah. at within group, you can always see that statistically. So, 
And the thing that I would like the listeners to know is that the, the SAR conference this year is actually highlighting research like this where, you know, for years we were, you know, conducting all this research and now we're sort of seeing the impact this is having on policy change. And like you were saying to me earlier, the transition from the data to something that's actually changing the practice, right, and our ability to practice. So right. it's really great. Yeah. I think so too. I think the lobbyists and the lawmakers are key allies that we have to think about in this translation process. Mm -hmm. So our lobbyist in Washington, Leslie Emmerich, is amazing. She's been Wiana's lobbyist Go, Leslie. for yeah, right? <laughs> years and years and years. And uh, briefly, an example of this kind of advocacy working so well, it comes from California. I just read last week, they had a very good lobbyist and a very good representative, Senator Representative Novich, but person in the, in the government in California. They just passed a law that every provider writing a new opioid script must first tell the patient about non-pharma options, yes. specifically acupuncture in their list. Yes. So I think that's another mm -hmm. great example of amazing work that only can be done when you bring clinicians and clinical expertise, research data, because you know data is like the mm -hmm. modern vernacular. If you don't have data, you might as well not exist. And then policymakers, you right. know, who can be educated with that data and with those relationships. And that's then we right. can do great things. Well, Lisa, this is wonderful, and congratulations on to all of you. I mean, this is an amazing thing, and I'm I'm thrilled that you got to present at the at, at a plenary session in front of everybody. I think everybody was really really excited about it. Oh, I hope yeah. so. Thank you. Um, and uh, and yeah, so thanks for talking. You're welcome. Yeah. Thank you, Kathy.